They say you have three names. The one you inherit from your family. The one your parents gave you. And the one you make for yourself. So create the brand of you. Find the job you've always dreamed of and make it yours by going to Irish Jobs, Ireland's online recruitment platform. Take control of your career. Visit irishjobs.ie and move up to the next level you. Irish Jobs. Make a name for yourself. Buy wisely. Buy for flavor. Buy Del Monte. Del Monte, the brand you trust for flavor in so many good foods. Time now for Rocky Jordan, brought to you by Del Monte Foods, the brand preferred by more women than any other line of canned fruits and vegetables in the world. Not far from the Musk Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Cafe Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against the backdrop of antiquity. Del Monte presents Rocky Jordan and this week's story, Quest for Trenina. If you ever plan a trip to Cairo, take my tip and read up on a few things. How to keep off the streets during the Moazin's call. They're a devout people. How to leave your dogs at home. They don't like them. And most important of all, when you see a native woman, don't look the second time. Me, I learned a lot of things the hard way, and I never forgot them. Which goes to explain what I was up against that evening as I left a vegetable mart in the native quarter of South Cairo. I'd ordered a few items for delivery to my cafe and was making my way along a narrow street walled by an ancient abandoned dwelling toward the main thoroughfare. There was no place for a foreigner after dark, so I stepped it up. And about then, I heard it. Then I saw a young, beautiful native girl without the veil running wildly toward me. Coming fast close behind was a rough-bearded native with a scar on his right cheek. In another second, he had a hold of her, dragging her back. No, no, I beg you. I'm helpless. It was way too rough for my blood, so I started... Sure got you good, partner. Okay, Jackie, you can relax. The right man got it, your play man. Mr. Doyle. Oh, Johnny. Oh, Johnny, it's awful. What a relief. Hey, kangaroo, you can come on now. Everything's all right. It's us, Jackie and Dollar. Anyway, uh, don't make a move. Uh, shoot you down. Hey, what, what the... Harry! Stay away, uh, Larry, you mean the guy you thought was dead? The guy you were supposed to marry? Yes. Oh, Larry. Larry died. I'll, I'll kill you. No. Oh, Larry. Larry, what happened to you? I was dead. It wasn't <laughs> worth waiting for anyway. Oh, well, 
Kangaroo, I'm glad your first interest was feeding your mules so that you didn't get mixed up in all that shooting. Yep. Poor. Well, I'll tell you. When three bad eggs like Hodges and Doyle and El Puerco get together double-crossing each other, they all got to wind up in the omelet. Dead. Sure feels good to get your boots off. That uh, Larry feller thought he was pretty smart, holding up in that mine with his own private smelter, using Doyle for a front. The only thing was he didn't figure on Doyle falling in love with his woman. Yeah. Who wouldn't? Hey, for a young fella, you sure talk a lot. How about using some of that breath you're wasting on that kerosene lamp, huh? Right. Expense account, item four, six dollars and ten cents. One quart snake bite medicine, 32 ounces of prevention in uh, case a snake should bite me. Item five, $3.40, with which I purchased the nicest gift I could think of for a gal in Jackie Moreland's position. A telegram to you, requesting that you give her a job she very much deserved, the managership of the Skull Canyon Mine. You see, when she first found out that man she was going to marry didn't love her, she took out her affection on the territory, which makes me very sorry that I wasn't born in the state of Arizona. Uh, expense account item six, $164.35. Uh, transportation, Twin Buttes to Hartford. Uh, expense account total, $947.99, which makes just about as much sense as you can make without making a dollar. Signed, yours, uh, no charge for that double talk. Uh, truly, Johnny Dollar. <laughs> Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Gordon T. Hughes and stars Charles Russell. Script by Paul Dudley and Gil Dowd. Featured in the cast were Doris Singleton, John Daner, Willard Waterman, Fred Howard, and Don Diamond. The special music is written and conducted by Leith Stevens. Your announcer is Paul Masterson. Be sure to be with us at this same time next week when another unusual expense account is handed in by yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Music Popular and Music Western are on the bill for CBS listeners again tonight. Vaughn Monroe and his band will present the five top tunes of the week, plus Army and Navy marching songs, Anchors Away, On Brave Old Army Team, and many others. Gene Autry follows right on the heels of Vaughn's caravan with favorites straight from the land of sagebrush and six-gun. For an hour of wonderful music, hear Vaughn Monroe's caravan and the Gene Autry show tonight and every Saturday on most of these same CBS stations. Stay tuned now for Vaughn Monroe's caravan, which follows immediately on most of these stations. This is CBS, where yours truly, Johnny Dollar, meets adventure every Saturday night, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
Broadway's my beat. From Times Square to Columbus Circle. The gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway's My Beat, with Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. Broadway, where the measured screaming of the spectaculars echoes into the wilderness of the night, and their cadence is the beat of a metallic and mechanical heart. This is the rhythm of the life you're assigned to on Broadway. There's nothing you can do about it. You challenge it with a whisper or a plea or a cry, and there's no one to hear it, because Broadway's ears are tuned only to the throb of the mechanical heart. It's Broadway, my beat. No, and we will go in peace. And if I don't, what then? You ask for threats, but I give none. Only rest assured that I will stop at nothing. Think of this, Mr. Jordan. Nothing. Gerard suddenly turned and walked toward the street without looking back. I gave him just enough lead, and as he turned onto the shawty ale din, I started after him, figuring to do a tailing job. What I'd seen in his eyes made me sure that he meant what he said, not stopping at nothing. I had a stake in Fernina's welfare now, and Gerard was a good place to begin. As I stepped into the street, I glanced around for the sight of Gerard, and I didn't go any farther. Sandstone rock sprayed my face as the bullet struck the wall not two inches away. I dived back rolling. There I hugged the dirt of the alley, waiting for it to come again. Nothing happened. I got up, moved carefully along the wall, back to the street. The shots had scattered the passers-by, but now they were returning, crowding in to see what had happened, chattering and pushing in. There was a sea of faces, but nowhere the face I wanted. Gerard was gone. Del Monte Foods is presenting tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. Question. What is the zestiest, liveliest catsup that ever pepped up a meal? Answer. Del Monte catsup, of course. There's nothing like it for hearty, satisfying flavor. And the big secret of that flavor is pineapple vinegar. Take the very best plump, red, vine-ripened tomatoes, the kind Del Monte uses, add specially ground spices and herbs, blend them all together with pineapple vinegar, and what do you have? Why, Del Monte catsup. A catsup that just can't be topped for flavor. A catsup that's livelier, zestier, and more satisfying. You see, pineapple vinegar coaxes all the best flavor from the other ingredients. Catsup experts agree, the finer the vinegar, the better the catsup flavor. And pineapple vinegar... Mr. Clover, I have tuned a certain group of people up to such an emotional pitch that they have no recourse but to murder me, either individually or collectively. These lucky people, who are they? That's for you to discover, Mr. Clover. Wait a minute. You tell me you're going to be murdered. You know the people who might murder you. Still, you won't tell me who they are. I'm suddenly part of the hobby, huh, Mr. Hartley? Exactly. How discerning of you. But you'd better explain it to me anyway. It gives me profound pleasure. This is an exquisite game I have created, Mr. Clover. You are now a part of it. I have made these certain people want desperately to kill me. I shall now make you want to stop them from killing me. 
And what do you do during all this? Nothing. Precisely nothing. I have set marvelous passions in motion. It's like a play. And I'm dying to know what happens at the final curtain. Does it interest you, policeman? No. I shall make it more interesting. A proposal, my policeman. If I am not murdered and lying in the blood of my death at the end of this week, say, I shall pay off with $50,000 to your favorite charity. Will you save my life, Mr. Clover? His fingers reached out and lingered on my lapel long enough to capture a piece of lint. Then they fell away. From him, it was a gesture, a smirk. But it was something else. It was his way of making terror and pride a single emotion. Dion Hartley wasn't kidding. So it began, the inquiry as to why a man had to die violently. A man who dared me to stop his dying. Dion Hartley. Broadway knew him as a brittle sophisticate who wrote brittle bits for a six-bit magazine called Satire. I went there to the magazine's offices. They opened doors for me and supplied long cigarettes and short copies until the editor could see me. Then the editor could see me. Sit down, please. Thanks. I'm Danny Clover. Shake, Danny Clover. I'm Sybil Rainus. I was just wondering that suit you're wearing. I like the way that fits across the shoulders. Who's your tailor? I bought it off the rack. Well, that's a twist I never thought of. Now tell me why we're chatting. Because of Dion Hartley. You're his friend, I suppose. Then we shouldn't be chatting at all. We should be screaming at each other. You hate him, huh? How pulpy. I love him. It's this extraordinary what Dion can do to a person. Now tell me why I'm answering you. I've got an interest in Hartley. He's afraid he might die. That would make you a doctor who I wouldn't talk to. An insurance agent who I'd have thrown out of here. A policeman who I wouldn't talk to, or... A friend of Dion's. A good friend. Oh. <laughs> you too? Well, you never know. Welcome, Danny Clover. People want to kill him. What people? Me. I'd want to kill him. I said I loved him. On odd days of the week, starting with Tuesday, I hate him. You can follow me around and see if I'd kill him. I could do that. However, there's Camden. Yes, there is. The one in New Jersey, you mean. How pulpy can you get? I mean Camden Drake. Camden the writer. The Greenwich Village Camden. Camden Drake will kill Dion. Someday. You want to make a wager? I could make you a fine... Interesting wager, Danny Clover. It was weird. It made no sense. A policeman tracking down a crime that hadn't been committed. A crime wanted and willed by a man who knew its shape was his own death by murder. And who had called in a policeman to prevent it, if the policeman could. Any setup as insane as that takes special handling. So I handled it in a special way. Sybil Raynard had given me the cue. She wouldn't talk to a policeman, she said. So I stopped being a policeman. I became just the good friend of the good Dion Hartley. And then Dion's other good friends talked to me. Camden Drake was no exception. Dion sent you to me? Yes, Camden. Dion said you and I'd have a lot to talk about. Dion is never wrong. Uh, you're a writer, he said. I write. That must be very interesting, to write. 
most of the time, it stinks. Dion said you have great talent. He said you were... Promising. Promising. That's funny. He never told me that. Oh? Is that the lot we have to talk about, Mr. Clover? No, I've heard other things about you. You have? Like what? Like if Dion should be killed, murdered would uh, be more exact. It would be you who murdered him. Ah, That makes for interesting talk. You don't want to know who told me that? Not especially. But that kind of talk could get back to Dion. It could even break up your friendship. Doesn't that bother you? No. And I'll tell you why, Mr. Clover. Because the friendship between Dion and me can't be destroyed by the ugly mouth of Sybil Raynard. You knew all the time, Camden. What's this, Camden? A manuscript you were working on? Yes, and put it down. You won't mind if I glance through it. Dion said... Put it down, I said. Put it down! Take it easy, Camden. It's not polite to slap friends. Friends of Dion. If you read a word of that manuscript, I'll kill you. It's that good. It's only for Dion to see. Only for Dion! Do you hear me? Yeah, I hear you, Camden. But maybe Dion will never get to read it because he'll be dead. Because maybe you'll kill him before you finish it. Is that why he sent you here? Because he thought I'd kill him? Maybe. Oh, he's so wrong. So wrong. He's got it mixed up, that's all. He should know it's Joan... It can only be Joan. Joan? He didn't tell you about her? About Joan York? No. Then I'm telling you. Go talk to her, Dion's friend. Ask her why she wants to kill him. I'll do that, Camden. Where do I find Joan? In Gramercy Park. 1712 Gramercy Park. Well, it's been a nice talk, Mr. Clover. Promise me you'll never come back. Yes, who is it? There was something about her, something like the promise a man makes to himself in some dark part of his life. The promise had the name Joan York. Her dark hair clouded to her shoulders, and her eyes were soft. The planes of her face, her mouth. The promise had the name Joan York. Who is it, please? I'm Danny Clover, a friend of yours. Camden Drake said I might speak with you. Camden? Of course, Mr. Clover, come in. Sit down, please. How is Camden? Why are you staring, Mr. Clover? Huh? Oh, he's all right. Why are you staring? Was I? I'm sorry. I don't want to be rude. I was busy. You were busy? At what? Illustrating, Mr. Clover. I do that for the magazine for satire. You wanted to speak with me? Uh, yes. We were talking, Camden and I, uh, about a man, about Dion Hartley, about... Dion's manner of living, his manner of dying. That's when your name was mentioned. Who are you, Mr. Clover? Another of the charmed circle? A worshipper at the shrine of Hartley? Another of Dion's errand boys? It's a way of stating it. Go back to the great Dion, Mr. Clover. Go back and tell him you had your fingertips on my brain and you beguiled me with your charm. Miss York... Tell him you did all that and you finally learned that I wished that Dion Hartley were dead. I wished him dead, Mr. Clover. Tell him that. Why do you hate him so much? That's a searching question. I hate him because of what he does to people. To Camden Drake? To him. To others. But to him. I don't want Camden to disintegrate. To be a friend to Dion Hartley is to sow the seed of your own destruction. But you know that already. I know. Then you know the disenchantment that Hartley causes. 
lovely Tranina. She whom he loved as his own. I went on down the street then, still trying to fit everything together. Maybe Sam would get more out of Gerard, but there was still Tranina. I was wondering if Follick Bay was right about it being too late, and if not, what could be done? When all at once it sunk in, what I'd just been told. Things were suddenly falling into place, and I was running back the way I'd come. As I approached the big white house, I remembered something else, and I hurried around to the side. The papers I'd pulled out of Gerard's pocket were still scattered around. I picked them up. A couple of matches later, I'd found out everything I wanted. Now there wasn't a second to lose. I got around to the window Gerard had used. I climbed in. I'd just cut on a light when I saw Fallock Bay coming down the stairs from the balcony to the upper quarters. I met him halfway. Mr. Jordan. Mr. Jordan, what does this mean? We both know, Fallock. Get out of my way. Oh, I will not. You will not desecrate my house. Back in for them. Oh, what are you scared of? It is not fear. Maybe it's what I'll find up here, huh? The upper floors are for no man. Do not enter the door. Yeah, I'm going in. I command you, do not enter. And there she was, Tranina, struggling wildly at the bonds which held her. Her mouth gagged, her eyes holding stark terror. I turned and saw Follock fumbling in his pocket for a knife or a gun. I swung and I drove him back with all I had. He staggered through the door, hit the balcony rail and went over. And then it was silence. I was back then at Trinina's side, loosening the bonds and taking the gag from her mouth and feeling the calm of fears. He was going to kill me. I know not why, but he was going to kill Easy, me. Easy, Tranina. You're free now. Everything's all right. Oh, please, take me away. Take me away from this house. I beg I you. I will, Tranina. Get your breath now. I will. You you are the young lady who, who saw them taking me from the streets. That's right. Took me a long time to catch on. And, and you are the only one who found that I was here? You sound a little disappointed. But no, Effendi. I thank you for my life, but was there none other? Tell me his name. It is Gerard. I thought so. Gerard did everything he could, Trinina. Come on. We'll go to him. In just a moment, Rocky Jordan returns to conclude tonight's story. Fresh tasting, natural tasting, and refreshing. That's just what tomato juice should be. And it's just exactly what Del Monte tomato juice is. Fresh tasting, natural tasting, and refreshing. To start the day right in the morning, for a pick-me-up any time during the day, or as a perfect mealtime appetizer, there's nothing like a chilled glass of Del Monte tomato juice. That rich tomato flavor, tasting just as fresh and natural as a tomato picked right off the vine, really hits the spot. Yes, for real satisfaction, there's nothing like a chilled glass of Del Monte tomato juice. Try it. With your first sip, you'll think... Say... This is good. Del Monte tomato juice is fresh tasting. And with the second sip, you'll say... <clears throat> Mighty good. Del Monte tomato juice is natural tasting. Then you'll drink it down because... It really hits the spot. Del Monte tomato juice is so refreshing. Remember, for fresh, natural, refreshing tomato flavor, it's Del Monte tomato juice every time. Keep several cans handy in the refrigerator. Now back to Rocky Jordan and the conclusion of tonight's story.
Well, one quick look told me that Follick Bay was now only a problem for the coroner. Not long after that, I created something of a sensation when I walked into headquarters with Trinina. Gerard was still under a technical charge of housebreaking, but he was released from his cell and brought to the office where Trinina, Sam, and I waited. She was quickly in his arms. Gerard, oh, darling. Trent. John. What is it? What do you want, Mr. Clover? I wanted to talk to someone whose wish came true. Mine came true, the honest dead. Is that what you mean? That's part of it. And the rest? Tell me the rest, Mr. Clover. May I come in, John? I want you to. That music, it's... Lovely. Haunting. For you. Is it like that for you, Mr. Clover? Like that. But more like... Where's it coming from? man in the apartment across the air shaft. He's a student. He plays like that four hours a day. Four hours? To the minute. But we can't let it stop us, can we? We have to talk about Dion's murder, you and I. Why do you say that? Because that's why you came here to me. Because you were Dion's friend. And because you were Dion's friend, you want to know if I killed him. There could be another reason. Joan. Joan, listen to me. Why do you do that, Mr. Clover? Was I doing something? You're different today. The way you say my name, it's... It's gentle. Makes me want to run to you like a child. I I, I didn't mean... <laughs> no. Please don't be embarrassed. It's me. It's the way I talk. Words have no meaning unless they say what you mean. That makes it easier. You were right, Joan. I want to know if you killed Dion Hartley. I have to know. I have to. Listen to me, Joan. You wanted him dead. You had a motive. At least the police would call it motive. I hated Dion for destroying people, people I've loved. Is that motive for killing a man? Yes. A good one, don't you think, Mr. Clover? You tell me, John. I'll tell you. But not now. Not now. When? Later. Take me to dinner, Mr. Clover. The Casca. It's a little restaurant with music. Just down the street. Eight o'clock, is that all right for you? Nine o'clock? I'll be there, John. Thank you, Mr. Clover. I'm sorry, I had some things to take well, care of. it doesn't of. matter, you're here. Hungry? Only to talk to someone. You. Are you hungry? No. Then we can just sit and talk. I've been thinking, Danny. What? What were you thinking? That we're very much alike, you and I. How, John? There's a kind of terrible loneliness in you. I know it. I... No, don't stop me. I know it's a loneliness. Because you couldn't understand so well all that's empty and lost and frightened in other people. I know nothing about you, Danny. How did you get so far along so fast? You're frightened, aren't you, Joan? No, not that. It's not the right word. Released. Free. Lonely. Are those the words? It depends. On what I may have done with my life? Or someone else's life? On that. 
Will you dance with me, Danny? I want to. Could you kill Danny? What? A man like Dion Hartley. Could you have killed him? I don't know. I think you could have. A man like that. Did you? Somewhere, somehow, he must have given you motive, too. No, I didn't kill him, Joan. I know you didn't. I just wanted you to consider it for a moment. The thought of killing Dion. It didn't... Monty crushed pineapple. The brand that always puts flavor first. Now, before we sign off, we want to remind you, this year, more than ever before... Your local community chest needs your support. Give generously. Everybody benefits when everybody gives. Larry Thor speaking. Rocky Jordan is presented over CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.